This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Back to Jumping Bomb Audio, and it is Jumping Bomb Audio show number 50. That's right, the 50th show of the best Joshi podcast in the world. And I am Taylor, as always, joined here by Kelly. Kelly, happy 50th episode of Jumping Bomb Audio. Happy 50. This is a this is a monumental episode. I mean, this how many other big, shows? get this far it's a big milestone we're closing in on two years that will be at the beginning of march but we have just hit episode 50 a big milestone hard to believe when i started this show not sure i believed i would have gotten to episode 50 especially in the world we're currently living in Uh, (laughs) but happy to have done it happy for everyone who has listened and enabled us to get to episode 50 as always, we're gonna we gotta start off with the plugs. Follow us on Twitter at jbombaudio, or you can follow Kelly at Comicy Kelly or me at Tay Mambo on Twitter. Subscribe to us so you can get the next fifty episodes of Jumping Bomb Audio on the podcast app of your choice. And if that app is Apple Podcasts, give us a five star rating and review. And if you're feeling extra generous in a celebratory mood about the 50th episode, you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping bomb audio. So we got a lot to talk about this week. Going to dive in depth into stardom's big Nagoya Supreme fight show from January 29th. Talk a little bit more about stardom's Cork and Hall show from February 1st. And then cover everything else that's happened in the past two weeks, and preview everything coming up in the following two weeks, including Tokyo Joshi's next Korokin Hall show, Positive Chain. A lot of news coming out about that show recently. We'll cover it all. But first, as I've said... You might say positive news. (laughs) Well, the way you phrase... uh, Yes, but the way you phrase that (laughs) makes it seem like it's good news, which... Uh, maybe not. Uh, no, but yes, it's in a, a different way, kind of positive. In a way, quote unquote, positive news. Uh, but we will start off first with our review of Stardom's Nagoya Supreme Fight Show that happened on January 29th at Aichi Prefectural Gymnasium in front of 1,306 fans. Kelly, I will go to you first. What did you think overall of this show? Overall, I thought it was solid. Um, I think that Stardom's had better big shows in the past couple of months, but like 
overall just a fairly easy watch, I thought, which was it's not something I can always say for these stardom shows. Like it didn't ever feel like a slog. And I think that really had to do with the kind of variety on the card. It was, you had a bunch of different kinds of matches, which was nice. Yeah, I think that it didn't hit the heights that some of the big shows that they've had have hit. But I think the middle of the card was a lot stronger than it usually is. I think yeah. helped by the fact that they finally had another tag title match on these on this show, which has helped to sort of break up. You know, once you get to a certain point on these stardom cards, it seems like it's like, OK, and here's six singles matches uh, from here to the top of the card. They would have had a little bit more variety um, in the semi main event, except for uh, some positive COVID tests, which we'll talk about in a second. But overall, I agree with you. I thought it was a, a pretty good show. Some matches uh, I enjoyed and a lot to talk about, as always. So we will start with the pre-show Battle Royal rules. Five-way match won by Momokogo defeating Fukigen Death, Rina, Ruaka, and Saki Kashima in six minutes and 37 seconds. Kelly, I watched the pay-per-view. This was not on the pay-per-view, so I did not see this match. Did you catch this match? I watched the pay-per-view initially, but then I went back and watched this on Stardom World. Uh, and I kind of wish I hadn't. It wasn't very good. Uh, it's a, like, I don't know. It's a strange match. Like, in in kayfabe thing, why, why are you booking this match? Why are you just like, hey, new girl, go wrestle these four people that are all friends? And like it, it had over the top rope rules, and I assumed it was like a full battle royal. But like, just two of them got thrown out, and Momo won because she managed to throw out one person. So that was essentially a pinfall. It was very strange and not very good. I went one star. <laughs> All right. Well, the proper kickoff to the show was our first title match of the e evening. The future of stardom title match saw the champion Hannon defeat Lady C in five minutes and 56 seconds with, with a backdrop driver, I believe the move was. Uh, Kelly, what did you think of this first official match of the show? I like this. Uh, they both worked really hard. I feel like Hanan is really starting to come into her own as a solid wrestler. And like, I, you know, honestly, before this title run, I couldn't really tell you much of anything about her. So the fact that she's kind of leaving an impression finally is good. I th I really do think she's starting to come into her own. Uh, I, I like this well enough. I went uh, two and three quarters on it. Nothing amazing, but a really solid opener. Yeah, I also thought it was a solid match. Uh, I enjoyed the finish, the, the backdrop driver finish. Um, I also thought, here's a random thought I had in the match. Hannon did the uh, leg drop. Um, I think that's what it, you would call it. And I thought in the middle of the match that she should start doing the uh, Booker T style uh, scissor kick. Because uh, she was very close. It looked almost like that. What was that move called? Did that have a name? I'm not uh, sure. I don't know. I'm terrible with move names, but that was my one thought besides that the finish uh, looked really great. So, you know, five minutes, 56 seconds, not all that long, but I thought it was a pretty solid, solid match. Good to see um, between the two. I think the two sort of brightest 
stars in the rookie, uh, you know, opener, bottom of the card, whatever you want to call them, class of people. Yeah. Uh, Before the next match, we had a surprise entrance by prominence making their way out to the ring. They are now in stardom. They had a confrontation with Julia, their old uh, promotion mate back in Ice Ribbon, uh, which I thought this was pretty cool. I did know, you know, this is probably mostly due to COVID restrictions, but they did emerge to absolute silence except for the announcer losing his mind. His reaction was so good. Just the sound he made when he saw them was incredible. (laughs) I was like, thank God for him, because I understand no one can make any noise. And that's why this is happening. But they showed up and I I was like, oh, and the rest of the crowd, it was like silence. Yeah, I was like, oh, so I was glad that he was there to really sell prominence appearing. Uh, I'm excited for prominence to be in stardom. I'm excited that stardom is sort of, this is much more of a sort of thing that I'm hoping stardom does, uh, something we won't go in too in depth about this episode. Cause it isn't for another month. Plus is they announced also a new blood stardom will be running a new blood show, which I think is going to involve the way that they say it involves some younger wrestlers from other promotions. And I'm very happy to see stardom sort of feature other promotions, other people instead of just sign, you know, sign, 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 sign these people. Yeah. Because I think that if other promotions get better, I think it's, you know, all boats rise sort of situation where if, you know, they bring in these people and some other promotions sort of get a lift from that. I think the whole scene gets a lift from that, including stardom. Um, so I'm very excited for prominence. And Kelly, I'm sure you feel the same way. Oh, it was so cool. Like, I I had to go back and rewatch it on Stardom World so I could, you know, see the subtitles and what they were actually saying. And just it was interesting. Like, I was not expecting them to bury ice ribbon as much as they did <laughs> like they'd both they kind of talked about how after julia left that place they kept referring to it as that place fell apart and that's why they had to leave and like julia was telling them like oh yeah i had to get out of that place too and that's why you're able to come here and stuff like that and is like i don't know it was meaner towards ice ribbon than i was expecting but like the it felt the the promos felt super emotional. Like, I mean, Suzu was like tearing up as she was yelling at Julia. And then, of course, you had Suzu trying to kill Julia with a hammer, which was cool as hell. Yeah, stardom really loves hammers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we've discovered because the Momo masks uh, used hammers. And yep. now we have another hammer. I am curious to see. Well, first, I will say that. I know that there has been um, in the last few weeks a uh, what do I want to call, a kerfuffle between Ice Ribbon, uh, Risa Sarah, and Risa Sarah claiming that Ice Ribbon was running shows with people they I believe 
if I read everything correctly, with people they knew were COVID positive or who had come in contact with people who were COVID positive. So mm-hmm. that may be sort of a breakdown of uh, those lines, which may have been why they were able to come out here and say some of the things that they said. But I am most interested to see, you know, Prominence is a hardcore deathmatch, whatever you want to call it, promotion. Uh, stardom is not that. Um, <laughs> they have tried it in the past. Tom Nakano had the exploding bat uh, deathmatch, which did not... Um, go over well with certain segments of the uh, stardom fandom. I'll say Which I stuck, loved it because that was awesome. Yeah. That's one of like my favorite stardom matches ever. I thought it was yeah. really cool and awesome. Um, but I just wonder with that sort of reaction to that in the past, uh, what their sort of line is going to be. Are they just going to come in and wrestle straight? Matches, I would assume, with Suzu pulling out a hammer in their first appearance, that there's going to be something. Yeah. I feel like Julia would definitely be down for, like, a hardcore style match. So that will be, uh, we'll have to see what happens in the future. I hope they do, because I think it's fun. I think it brings variety to, to, you know, stardom, which doesn't do that type of match really ever. As I, no, as you get I like the hitting people with a suitcase and that's about it. Yeah. And as I said, they did it in the past. It sort of happened and then went away. They sort of had the sub brand, uh, that weird sub brand for a little bit that didn't really go anywhere. They, but they that one hardcore match between Julia and Natsuko Toro last week or last year, I think. And that was actually pretty solid. That was probably Natsu, uh, Natsuko's best match. So, like, I, I think I think Julia could be into it. Like, I, I could see it happening. Yeah, it could be a thing where Julia's just like, I'm okay with it, and they do it, and they see, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that exploding bat death match was how many years ago at this point? Three? Yeah, Four? I feel like... Yeah, it's Because, let's see. When was that match? I don't even remember. Because uh, 20- Tom had... It left Waitotai at that point. Kagetsu was still around. Well, it wasn't 2020. I think it was 2018. Yeah, that sounds right. Because 2019 seems too recent. Anyway, it was a number of years ago. (laughs) Long story short, (laughs) it was a number of years ago. And they haven't, they have, they've done sort of things you know, quote unquote, hardcore matches, but nothing to that degree, which I think is the area where prominence is sort of aiming. Yeah. Um, as a quote unquote, as their own promotion, I think they're going to be pretty heavy on the full deathmatch stuff, which is not, you know, I don't think stardom's going to do that, but no, uh, we'll see. It's exciting. I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it should be awesome. Uh, then the next match, the second official match on the card, a tag team match, uh, Utami and Azumi of Queen's Quest losing to the Oedo Tai team of Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid in nine minutes and 43 seconds. Kelly, what'd you think of this match? 
I thought it was a really good tag. Uh, this is the good Buedo tie. Like th- this, this is the what I want out of them. <laughs> Uh, I thought, like, nothing, it wasn't anything amazing. It was, like, a, a perfect mid-card, or early card match. Like, I went three and a quarter. It's kind of exactly what you want in this spot on the show. Yeah, I I mean, I think right close to the end, I was sort of like, okay, this is too much Oedo Tai stuff. And, of course, you go into this match with, like, okay, Momo, Starlight Kid, Azumi, Utami and you're like oh this could be great it's one of those classic sort of like this is going to be amazing but it's second from the bottom yeah so it's like oh that's not really the point of it so I was sort of like oh yeah three stars I wish there was more but you know it's a bottom of the card tag so yeah it's a story I'm not super disappointed yeah like they want you to make sure you remember these people essentially (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I'm not opposed to, you know, seeing, I mean, four good wrestlers. So that's fine with me. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I was like, where where was my point going? Not sure. <laughs> uh, my point was, I think they're all good. Uh, but it was, a lo- you know, it's it's the same thing. I, I have gotten a lot on the Tokyo Joshi Cork and um, shows they always have one match on the card where I'm like, that's going to be really good, but it's like second from the bottom. So it's always like mm. six minutes long. And I'm like, I wish it was longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, then we had, uh, well, I almost said we had title matches all the way up, but that's not true. Um, our next match was for the vacant, the recently vacated by Shuri SWA undisputed world women's title match between Mina Shirakawa and Tekla. Tekla defeating Mina Shirakawa in 9 minutes and 58 seconds to become the new SWA champion. Uh, And Kelly, I have to say that I had a moment where I was in sync with you uh, in that there was a moment late in the match. I believe Mina was moving up to the top rope. She was climbing up to the top rope to do something. I think it was Mina and your favorite ref <laughs> for some reason call was looking at Tekla and was like pointing at the top rope. <laughs> and I was like, why are you what? Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> it, it just seems weird. It's like, are you helping her? Yeah. Like, Hey, by the way, your opponents uh, over on the top rope. Yeah, they're, like, they're up there. That's that seems weird for ref to do, and not my only ref uh, thing of the night. Um, yeah. This was this I'll was get, another. I'll get to him later in the show. I've got something. I've got a. He's sticking in my craw from a match I already didn't like that we'll get to later uh, from February first. Um, but I thought another solid match. I did laugh when and near the beginning of the match, uh, Mina was on the outside. And she was trying to get Tekla to like come out and wrestle on the floor. And she weirdly out loud went, come here, baby. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, okay. Uh, that threw me off as well as the gigantic jumbotron picture of her boobs during her entrance. Yep. <laughs> which really, And then a spider coming down. And yeah. I was like, I know that that's the thing, but it's weird to like be watching a show and all of a sudden be like, what? Uh, okay. Um, 
But I thought it was a solid, good mid-card match. Uh, I think Tekla brings, uh, as she did in Ice Ribbon, a fun sort of different style than almost everyone on the card with her sort of, you know, bending over, doing the spider walk, whatever you call that thing. So I thought, you know, solid match, nothing to write home about, but I liked it. I'm always really impressed by her spider walk. Like, no one in wrestling has ever made it look as fluid as she does. Like, it's something where... It's because half the time, when if you see anyone do it in wrestling, you're like, come on, just fucking kick him in the face and be done with it. Who cares? But, like, she's quick, and it just so smooth with it where it's like oh this is like a viable weird thing to do in a match so like it's it's perfect i thought she looked great in her first like i guess major match in stardom so like, i i thought she looked really good mina keeps getting better uh all around i really enjoyed this i went three and a half uh i i'm glad that uh stardom picked up tecla like she's a really good addition to this roster and like you said very different and, and yeah, like I'd, I'd completely forgotten about like her spider stuff. So I was very confused why Mina was like putting a spider on her boobs in the lead up to this. I was like, what is, is she Spider-Man? Like what is happening now? <laughs> Cause she's the sexy piter. Yeah. Uh, against the spider. Yeah. Um, I was very confused at first. So I was like, oh wait, okay. This all makes sense now. <laughs> The next match was the Goddesses of Stardom tag title match. The Stars team of Hazuki and Koguma retaining their titles over the Donna Del Mundo team of Himika and Micah in 13 minutes and 27 seconds. Kelly, what'd you think of this match? Well, first off, I was really disappointed that Micah did not come to the ring in a full bear suit. That was that was disappointing. Uh, given the the lead up to this match, I feel like it would have been warranted. Uh, but I like this match a lot, and I will say, I loved and also hated the finish because the finish could have been that insane lariat from Himika on uh, Koguma that looked insane, and should have been like a finish or something. I did not like that Koguma rolled her up right after that because, like, that lariat looked so good. I wanted either the pin to be broken up or something else. Like, I don't know. It just, it was so, like, she rotated so good on it. It was awesome. But, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I re- I liked the match a lot. Again, I went three and a half on this one. But, yeah, the finish, I was just like, oh, wait, no, she can't still be alive after getting her head taken off of her body with that lariat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was the same. I thought it was a pretty great match. I thought that finish was, um, I thought it was great just mainly because of that lariat, um, in that she rotated, but it looked halfway through her rotation, like she wasn't going to make it and she was just going to slam her head into the mat. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I thought it looked great. I've said it a couple times, but I think, you know, Hazuki and Koguma, bring a sort of different style. I like that they're from, um, you know, sort of the stardom of old. We'll talk about this more in a second with a match that uh, Kelly already uh, sort of teased. But I think a lot of the stardom upper card has, um, what's the word? Is it amalgamated? I don't know. Uh, Has sort of 
come towards the center in terms of here's the style of match we do. And everyone is sort of heading towards that sort of style and doing the same style. And I think that Hazuki and Koguma being from the sort of, I guess, pre, you know, quote unquote, previous era of stardom, even though Hazuki hasn't been, wasn't away all that long. Um, yeah. I think brings them a different feel to their matches. You know, also this being a tag match, I think helps sort of make it feel different than all the other singles matches um, that happened. So I've really enjoyed that. I was happy for the finish just because I was hoping that Hazuki and Koguma would retain the titles because I've liked um, their matches as a tag team. Uh, but I thought I was the same as you three and a half stars. So I thought it was a, a great match. Yeah, I wasn't initially sold on the Hazuki and Koguma team, but they've really won me over. Like, I really enjoy them as a team now. The next match was the Wonder of Stardom title match. The champion Saya Kamatani defeating Unagi Saika in 18 minutes and 47 seconds. Uh, this was a match I thought uh, this is going to be a theme. Um, Moving on here, I thought they started pretty slowly. Um, I wasn't super into the match, but I thought that it got really good near the ending. Um, and then, and then of course, uh, Saya nearly killing Unagi Sayaka oh with the Phoenix Splash at the end, where literally I went, Oh my god, yeah, I went I'm back like, and watched it like three times. Uh, and I'm not saying that there should be any, I'm not advocating for, you know, someone put a stop to this. Saya Kamatani is going to gravely injure someone eventually yeah. in one of these matches. <laughs> like, was... it just seems like a fact that hmm. she continually sort of is like, oh, you didn't get it. That could have gone badly. Yeah. Like, it hasn't happened yet. And it just feels like, especially now that she's champion and she's probably gonna be doing this i'm just like oh my mm. you know it sort of is a running you know meme joke whatever you want to call it of like saya trying these big things sometimes she doesn't quite get it you know she does the running shooting star press and sometimes doesn't get all the way around but i'm like folks we got to be careful that someone i mean it was probably six inches away from I don't know, breaking Unagi's nose, probably. Yeah, because it was right? just a Phoenix knee drop. Like, it was yes. just knees, full on. And I'm like six inches north, and that is directly in her face, and something bad is going to happen. Yeah, it was brutal. Um, But overall, I thought it was... I thought the match was, like, fine. Um. I still feel the same way I felt about Saya's matches for a while and that they don't really feel like they have much structure to them. It feels like someone, especially now that she's champion, who sort of sees what Suri is doing, what Utami was doing, and is like, oh, I got to do that, but doesn't really have the connective tissue to be like, ah, here's what makes this work. So it's just sort of like, oh, they do... Um, they stand in the middle of the ring and do strike exchanges. Uh, we should do that. Okay. Um, that's a th thing that happens. So it just feels like there's nothing. It's just like, oh, I'm watching someone do some moves. Yeah. 
Yeah, normally I would agree with you. This one, I don't, like, again, I don't think it had much structure, but this one just worked for me. I don't know why, like, but a bunch of the near falls got me. Like, I want four stars on this. I really enjoyed it. And it's one of those where I, I can't explain why and all of your criticisms. I'm like, yep, that's right. So it was just one of those matches that got me on the right day. I really enjoyed it. All right. Uh, I gotta say, one thing that I was thinking about while I was watching this is just like, Unagi deserves so much credit for working as hard as she has over like the past two years to just like improve in ring and just get into the amazing shape she's in now. Because like it, she's not the same person she was in Tokyo Joshi, you know, like she's an entirely different human being now. It's kind of crazy and just she's worked super hard to get to where she is now. Yes, and it really speaks to not to take anything away from her, because I do agree with you. I think that she has gotten a lot better. But it also speaks to the idea of, you know, sometimes in all of wrestling, people think, oh, the more matches you have, you'll just get better because, Mm -hmm. you know, you have more experience. And I think that Unagi's, some of Unagi's improvement is due to the fact that it's like, yes, it's good to go out and get matches under your belt, but it's also important to go out and get matches under your belt against people who are good, like who are very talented. Yeah. You like, can't improve just wrestling Haruna Neko every week. And like that Tokyo Joshi, although Tokyo Joshi sort of is less about that. So I'm sort of like, okay, they're not really focused on that. But I think a lot of like AEW where people are like, Oh, we have this person. Well, they're sort of okay, but they'll just do more matches and they'll get better. Like they'll have a bunch of matches on dark and they will get better. I think a lot of people in the women's division in AEW have not gotten any better. No. And I think that a lot of that is due to the fact that, you know, I, I watch dark every week. So this is not a sort of me impugning dark. I just don't think anyone improves from that show coming out and doing a three minute match against some person who's not, who's just there to get beat up. Like, yes, it is a match, but just getting someone pure numbers, just being like, go out there 300 times and wrestle a two minute match where you win easily is not worth half as much as it is being like, okay, you're going to have 20 matches and you're going to wrestle people who are really good and the stakes are going to be high. And you're just going to have to go out there and you're like, some of those early Unagi matches were very iffy. They but, were rough. But some of it is like go in the deep end, like go in the deep end and eventually you got to start paddling and then you start sw- you know, you start mm-hmm. swimming. And so um I think it has been I think they've really done really well with Unagi. The other half of me says, I still think she's getting slightly too many title opportunities. Um, Yes, I would agree with that for sure. She's challenged now for like seven titles um, in the, you know, however long she's been here. She has a tag title match coming up at the next big show. Um, But that's not a complaint of Unagi. That's a complaint of the booking, Um, which I have a separate problem with, which we'll talk about another tease for February 1st. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yes, but I do agree with you. I think she's gotten so much better, uh, a totally different, really a totally different wrestler, really. Yeah, no, she's an entirely different human being at this point, and it's it's super impressive. 
The semi-main event, our last non-title match of the show, originally was scheduled to be a three-way match between Julia, Mayu Iwatani, and Tom Nakino. Tom Nakino, sadly, testing positive for COVID, so was unable to be on the show. So this match was changed to a one-on-one match, Julia versus Mayu Iwatani for the World of Stardom number one contendership. And it went to a 30-minute time limit draw. Kelly, I will let you go first on this one. Okay, here's the thing about the draw here. I won't kill them for it in this specific case. Purely because this was originally a three-way, which was someone was supposed to lose, and then it would just be like they're eliminated and then the two others move on to what do they both get title shots or they have a match against each other later i wasn't entirely sure on that initially it was that that in the three-way the person who got the first pin would get the title shot on the 26th and the person who got the second pinfall it was like elimination three-way the person who got the second pinfall i think got the match on the 27th Okay, and so then I if can't... you didn't get any pinfalls, you didn't get any match. Yeah, so I can't kill them for doing the draw here because having just one person win would kind of blow up their booking. I mean, as, as much as they book, it would blow up their booking. So, like, I'm fine with the draw here. And, like, even with the draw... I thought this match fucking ruled. It was awesome. Like it really felt like Julia and Mayu wanted to go out and be like, "Hey, uh, we're still here. I know a lot of other people are getting the hype right now, but we're still here and we're still great. So we're just gonna kill each other in this match." And it, it was awesome. Like even the accidental blood at the very end just put it over the top for me. I went uh, four and three quarters. Like I loved this. This is one of my favorite matches of the year so far. Uh, I also really liked it. I was not quite as high as you. And I do, I, uh, I'll say two things. I feel the same way about the time limit draw in that you can't really, it is a time limit draw, but it's like they were back into a corner. They didn't know Tom was, obviously they didn't know Tom was going to have COVID. So they sort of had to go to the drawing board, redraw it. So I get doing a time limit draw so that you can be like, okay, we're in the position where two people now have the title. Um, match like we originally thought that being said imagine if they didn't do all these time limit draws how effective this time limit draw would have been oh yeah it's like the one rare time where a time limit draw does not feel like the lazy choice and every other time it's just like oh we need something to i don't know draw and but here it's like oh this makes sense (laughs) this is a good place for a draw And also, literally five minutes into this match, I went, they're going to a time limit draw, and then they went to a time limit draw. That's the other thing, (laughs) is that you've now trained me to sit there and go, is this going to a time limit draw? So this might have been a match where if you didn't do time limit draws all the time, I might not be sitting there five minutes in and going, oh, they're going to a time limit draw, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Because this is what they do all the time. Like, you have all of these to, you know, every match outcome that you have available to you, uh, pin submission, time limit, draw disqualification, count out. They're all sort of tools you can use in different ways, but when you use too much of one tool, 
it essentially loses its effectiveness. If you oh, do, yeah, 100%. Yeah. If you do DQ matches all the time, then all of a sudden it's not that shocking. Oh, my God, a DQ. This means a lot because someone got really mad and hit someone with a weapon or something. And so I think you had the opportunity here to do it, but you've now taught the audience, well, time limit draws is just sort of what happens all the time in this promotion. So, of course, they went to it. They're two talented people. Of course, they went to a time limit draw. Um mm. So I don't really ding them, but I just sort of sit there and I think, oh, wouldn't have been great if they didn't do time limit draws all the time because this would have been even better. And I'm like you. I thought it was really good. I was not as high. I went four and uh, a quarter, but I thought it was great. And I'm like, oh, it would have been so much better if near the end you were like, oh, they went to a time limit draw instead of being like, well, yep, time limit draw. Sure. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I will say, and I'm surprised that you uh, didn't bring this up, Kelly. I'm surprised that I'm the first person saying this. Um, Really, the only part of the match I really didn't like, they were on the outside. (laughs) uh, The ref is there, and Julia knocks the ref down. I think it was Julia knocking the ref down. Yes, okay. He goes into like a... He goes into all... He sits on all fours, and I'm sitting there going, why is he just sitting on all fours like that? (laughs) And then Julia runs and jumps off his back and hits Mayu. I hate ref cooperative spots in any, at any time. I hate that evil spot in New Japan where he has the ref hold the person's leg and then he kicks them. I hate that spot. It makes no sense. Why wouldn't the ref stand up and go, hey, wait a minute. You knocked me down and then you kicked me. Yeah. You jumped off me and kicked me. You are disqualified for attacking the ref multiple times. It also looked dopey because he sat there. He sat there on all fours for like 20 seconds. Enough that I was yeah. like, what is he doing down there? Um, <laughs> it was a long time. Um, so I really hated that, but it was early in the match and I sort of forgot about it. I did love right near the end. Mayu's climbing the rope. She's going to do a moonsault. She's like almost falling off. She's trying to hold herself. She turns around and she almost like falls off the top rope into the moonsault, like this exhausted moonsault. I think it was like one of the last moves of the match because that's, yeah. then the blood, then the blood was there. Um, and she just sort of like fell. And I was like, wow, what a great way to show like, oh, I'm really exhausted. You still hit the move. But it looks like, wow, it took her a lot of energy. It took her a lot of effort to like hit this. She must be really tired. I thought that was great. It's like one of those little things. I mean, Mayu is a great, um, notoriously great bump bumper for other people. Mm-hmm. And this is like another thing that I was like, wow, what a great little thing. It's not a huge thing. It's not a big move that you're going to you know, make a gif of, and you're going to be like, wow, look at this. Um, like that flip um, that Koguma did in the tag title match. But just one of those little things where I'm like, that's why Mayu is so great. Cause she has those little things. I thought Julia was equally as good. thought they had some great suplex sequences uh, during the match. So uh, I was like you Kelly a bit lower, but I still thought this was a really great match. Yeah. And Mayu is one of those wrestlers that it's like, okay, everyone knows she's great. But you kind of just forget how good she is sometimes. And it takes moments like that moonsault where you're like, oh, yeah, 
you're incredible. I fr- like you just kind of take her for granted because it's like, oh yeah, she's great. But it's like you get these like, oh no no no, you're like a standout wrestler who is one of the best of their generation. The main event, the last match on the card, the World of Stardom title match, the champion Shuri defeating the newcomer Mirai in 26 minutes and 47 seconds. Kelly, what did you think of this match? I thought this was a good match, but I didn't like it at all. Uh, uh, Siri should not have had this much trouble. It reminded me a lot of the Mina versus Tom match where it's like Tom should have just won that handily. I feel like that's what they should have done with Siri here. Cause I don't know. Like I understand it's the main event of the show. You want to give the people a good show, but if there's any time to just have your champion go out and murder someone, it's this show when they just got an incredible 30 minute time limit draw. Like you don't need to come out here and do another almost 30 minute match. Like I don't, this doesn't make Siri look like a stronger champion at all. I think it makes it look, makes her look weaker. Cause like Mariah's new, she's barely made a name for herself in the company and to be able to take it to Siri for like 26 minutes, that's, I don't know, that's not a great look for your champion. I feel like Siri should have put up with her for a while and then just handily defeated her in like maybe 10 minutes. I would probably go for that. But like I said, I think I think it's like objectively a good match, but I think con- like if you just take it out of context, but if you put it in context, it doesn't work for me at all. Like, I think I went, what, three and a half, but that's kind of like a grudging, a grudging three and a half where it's like, yeah, I, I guess it gets this. Yeah, I went three and a half, too. I think they, they were put in a tough spot of following Julia and Mayu um, with such a great match. Um, I thought it was uh, I was like you. I was sort of like, oh, this is good, but it's another one of these sort of top matches where I sort of feel like. You know, there was no doubt of the outcome again. Um, and it's just sort of like, ah, Mirai gets the title shot. And I'm sort of like, oh, oh, okay. Like, obviously, I love Mirai. I loved her in Tokyo Joshi. I'm happy she's back in stardom. But just feels like so many of these top matches are just sort of like, go out there and do the same. Run it back. You know, do this match. Yeah do the match that everyone does and everyone goes out there and they fight and they're really tough and they, you know, and it's one of those things that Mayu thing of falling off the rope, you know, into the moonsault because you're so tired. It's those little things that Mayu does. Julia sometimes does some of them that I think a lot of these top people on the roster are missing. They just sort of see, like I talked about with Saya, they sort of see the, physical activity what is happening in the ring and they're like that's what we have to do we have to go out and we have to have a strike exchange you know elbow you know elbow oh then i'm tired oh elbow which i've talked about on the show i think is so overused in all of wrestling i'm so tired of it but mayu really understands the nuances of what takes it from just, okay, we're out here, we're doing impressive moves, we're doing this, we're fighting hard, 
into that next level of what is this person? What is drawing me into rooting for this person? What's drawing me into rooting for Mayu? You know, oh, she's so tired and she's fighting through her fatigue that I think I don't see in a lot of these other matches that just for me sort of turn into like, wow, this is pretty impressive. They're doing a lot of great moves and I don't feel anything. I just am sort of like, oh, you know, it's like looking at a painting that you don't really like you look at a painting and you're like, wow, it's really big. It's really impressive. It has all these colors, but I don't really understand what it's saying. I don't understand really what I'm looking at. Like it's impressive that you, that you painted sort of this thing, but I don't have any other connection besides it probably took some talent to paint this. Um, So it was another one of those where I was sort of like, Oh yeah, three and a half stars. Fine. You know, coming again at the end of, and it was a little bit better coming at the end of, we're having all these matches that are, you know, the wonder of stardom title match, the number one contendership match. These are all sort of the same type of matches. And so by the time you get to the third one, you're like, yeah, this is good, but I've also already seen this. And in this case, I've already seen it in a way with probably the two best people in the whole company. Yeah. It's uh, going back to your painting metaphor. It's a picture of like a sad looking clown sitting in a box. And I was like, I can look at it and say like, oh, that, that took some talent to make. Doesn't mean I like it. I don't want to look at the sad clown sitting in the box. It's upsetting to me. But I can see where it took work to get there. So that is our review <laughs> of ending on the ending on a metaphor of a sad clown, uh, which really makes it sound like we didn't like the show. But again, as we said at the beginning, I thought it was a solid show. I thought it went by, yeah. you know, very quickly. Obviously, I thought Julian Mayu was really good. Um, the best match on the show. Um, but that is our review of Stardom, Nagoya Supreme Fight. And before we move on to talk about what else has been happening over the last two weeks, we have Kelly to tell us all about this week's sponsor of the podcast. All right. Today, we're going to talk about our friends over at HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh cuts back on time spent in the kitchen so you can spend on your other resolutions with meals ready in about 30 minutes or less. Plus, quick and easy meals including 20-minute recipes and low prep and easy cleanup options provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your order online or in the app, easily change your delivery day, food preferences and plan size, or even skip a week if you need to. HelloFresh is perfect for me because I love the efficiency and ease that these meals offer. I'm not a big chef, so if you're like me and you don't really kind of you don't see yourself in the kitchen much, you don't want to do much cooking, this is the perfect thing for you too. Uh, you can get in on this meal plan by going to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and using code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Remember? Go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 
Use the code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network so we are now going to cover what else has happened over the last two weeks and we're going to go right back to stardom uh, because I know Kelly has a lot to say about this, as do I. Oh boy! On the uh, a few days after Nagoya Supreme Fight, Stardom went to Corican Hall on February first. A number of things happening there. Uh, Zumi. Uh, well, we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, D, uh, Donna Del Mundo and Prominence had a pull apart brawl. After that, it was determined that Suri and Tekla would face Risa Sarah and Akane Fujita at the next Corican Hall show, which I believe is February 21st. Um, Mina Shirakawa and Unagi Sayaka challenged Hazuki and Koguma for the tag team titles at Stardom's next big show. And in the main event, a high-speed title match between Starlight Kid and Natsupoi that went to 
surprise, surprise, a 30-minute time limit draw. Kelly, I will give you the honor of going first on this one. <sighs> I I hated this. I hated this match so much. It goes against everything that I want out of a high-speed title. Because, like, instant, like within the first five minutes, I knew, like, this is a time limit draw. I mean, I was already kind of queued up to it by just clicking on the video and seeing the time code was 42 minutes. I was like, this, this doesn't seem right. There's got to be something wrong here. Maybe there's just a giant promo afterwards, but just watching the pace they were working at, and I was like, oh, no. This isn't a high-speed match at all. This is a 30-minute time limit draw speed match. <laughs> and, like, the way to tie geeks are there the whole time, interfering. Daichi sucked. Like, okay, let's. this is when I hated the referee. So there's a bit where they're going back and forth doing, like, the the one count pins back and forth. And they finally get to like, what's going to be the last one in that sequence. So the ref counts one and doesn't realize that's the last one. So then he starts his count again with another one and then two, and then the, the kick out. But it's just like, Oh yeah. So you weren't paying attention to what was actually going on there. Daichi, were you? He sucks. Just the worst referee. But yeah, I like, I didn't want this match to go to a draw. These two are so good. They've had good matches before. This was not one. I don't fault either of them because, I don't know, this isn't the style for that title match. This just isn't what I want out of a high-speed title. I don't want to see it go 30 minutes. Stupid. Just This is the, the definition of, you don't have to book the match. Like, you could have, you know, people be like, oh, well, what are you supposed to do? I don't know. Don't book the match. You don't have to. You're in control of it. This is your show. Don't do the time limits all the time. Ugh. This is a rare dud rating from me. I normally save dud ratings for when I review WWE shows on the site. This this gets a dud. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Taylor, what do you think? <laughs> well, I felt the same way. I have already talked all about time limit draws on the show. I will just say it was the seventh time limit draw since 2020, since January 1st, 2022, since 2022 began seven That's insane. time limit draws. They've only had 11 shows. That's and ridiculous. I just want to briefly say before I move on to my bigger point, which is that when I first started bringing up this time limit stuff, the response was always, oh, but it's on small shows. It's on these house shows, so it doesn't matter and it enables people to see the match. Two shows in a row, and actually three shows in a row, because there was a there was a time limit draw on their very next show. Two shows in a row, big spot time limit draws. I'm telling you, when everyone said it's on small shows, I said, yes, it starts on small shows, and then it's going to keep moving out and out and out. And guess what? Here we are. Look, I'm giving them a pass on the Mayu Julia one. This one, they don't get a pass. Why would you do this? And my bigger point is that when I talk about everyone moving towards the center, towards what type of matches that everyone does, this was a high-speed match. I have talked over and over again how I love how different high-speed matches are to everything else on these big, you know, they do them on the big shows. They feel so different. They come out, they go, 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 and then the match is done. And I'm like, this is great. Great change of pace. 
Now look, here we are. A high-speed match yep. that is exactly like all Everything these other else. big matches. So there goes that. That's the thing that bothers me the most about this. Yeah. Is that you've now taken something that's like, wow, this is really fun and unique. And it's like, nope, it's going to be like everything else you watch in this promotion. It's so just upsetting because it's, it's this isn't what we are promised something by this like title. You know, we expect a certain kind of match and it was taken away. <laughs> and the last thing I will say is that Natsupoi is challenging Saya Kamatani for her title at the next big show what what like why how yeah she comes out here she goes to a draw and she gets a bigger title like and people will come and they'll they'll message me and they'll say oh but don't you understand natsupoi rubbed saya's head at the last press conference and that's why she gets a title it doesn't make any sense logically she didn't win this match and so she essentially loses. She doesn't win the title because yeah. it's champion's advantage. And then she goes and she gets a bigger title match the very next show. Like it's the that's, same thing. That's with another like, case of if you want to do the match against Saya, don't do this match. You just don't book the match. You don't have to like, that's, that's the thing that gets me is like, if you want to have a match in the future, so you can't have someone lose in this spot, just don't do that match. Ugh. And the other thing is, it's like, well, there's no one in the high-speed division because the high-speed division is Starlight Kid, Azumi, Natsupoi, and like Fuki and Death. But I don't like... Who's it? <laughs> That's on you, again. It's like, yeah. well, we don't have anyone else. Okay, well... Is that because you haven't built anyone up to be in this... Div- like... It's the same thing that happened with Unagi. Unagi loses against Saya. She comes out the very next show and she's like, okay, tag titles now. It's just sort of like someone knocking on a door. Oh, there's no one home. Okay, I'll just keep knocking. There's still no Uh one home. It's like, okay, I lost this title. I'll challenge for this title. Oh, I'll lose that title. Okay, in a month I'll be challenging, you know. Unagi might lose the tag titles and then she'll probably challenge Shuri and she'll get a title match there. And she loses that and she'll challenge for the SWA title. It's just sort of like unemotionally moving chess pieces around with just like, okay, this person hasn't had this type of title match in a while. Okay, they'll get that type of title match. Okay, they lose and now you get this. It's musical chairs, but none of the chairs go away. You just sit in different chairs on that when the music stops. So it just, I didn't, I mean, I also figured out a couple minutes into the match when I was like, this is a weird match. And I went, (laughs) oh, they're going to a time limit draw. And it's just so like, it's just also so defeating when you're like, oh, okay. So there's going to be no outcome. Like people have said, well, time limit draws are great because then you can see people go against each other. And I'm like, but when I watch like football, I might <laughs> I be like, be wow, these are two really good teams. I'm not sitting there going, eh, if they tied, who cares? Like that's the whole point is like people win and lose. And that's the, you know, that's what really gives it that extra oomph. You know, after I watched this two, one show, I watched the um, dragon gate 
Cork and Hall show. And, you know, there's been comparisons between Dragon Gate and Stardom for a number of reasons. The thing that Dragon Gate has been so good at in the last few years is they get people in the company. And when these people are going to be a focus, they win and they win all the time. And they beat people, big people. They beat people who are, you know, in the mid card. Like SP Kento, that guy won all the time. And now he's like one of the biggest names in the company. <laughs> like, you gotta let people win. Even if, you know, they're big, you know, and he beat people who are like, oh, the big veterans, the big names, because that's how you make people. It's not this thing where it's like, ah, well, another time limit draw. I guess we're all equal to each other. Like, that's no fun. I don't want to watch football where I think, okay, all these teams are exactly all the same. (laughs) They're all the same exact talent-wise. Who will win? I don't know. It's like you got to let these people win, and also you have to let people lose. Yeah. Because also now you set up, if people lose, they're real losers. Oh, yeah. Because most people go to time limit draws. Oh, you lost. You couldn't even get to a time limit draw. Everyone else is going to time limit draws. You must really be a loser and stink. It's everyone else and then the geeks from Wado Time. <laughs> They're the only ones that are allowed to lose. It's like so it's uh, it's so bizarre. Um anyway, after the match, Azumi challenged uh, Starlight Kid for the high speed title. <laughs> Hopefully that will be good and it will be a high speed match. Yeah. Uh, two hopes. Um anyway, Stardom then had a show on uh, February 6th. The semi-main event went to a time limit draw. In the main event, Oedo Tai, the Oedo Tai team, defeated the Dono Del Mundo team, and Saki Kashima announcing that she wants a shot at Tekla's SWA title. So it looks like Tekla versus Saki Kashima may be the next SWA title match, something to look out for. Um, in the future sure so that is all <laughs> that is all the starting like, news i just can't like they treat the way to geeks as such geeks like how am i supposed to buy in to any kind of title match or anything they do like it just it doesn't make sense like the previous big show saki lost in a four-on-one match like how how like what then after the match, she stomped on a bunch of newspapers because the newspapers made them lose. Like what the, why, why does this person get a title shot? I know it's a dinky little whatever title that no one actually cares about. And it's just, there as another prop, but even so just, there's no credibility there. I don't get it. Anyway, that's our stardom recap for the last two weeks. <laughs> it really went she stomped on newspapers. We were like, they we threw were them really on positive. the ground. Yeah, that's I. And before you say, oh, you guys hate stardom. I fucking gave a match four and three quarter stars. I stardom's good. They're good, but they're not. There's bad at a lot of things, but they're good at some things. They're bad at others. The bad parts stick out more because they're always in our face. We should have told people, if you really like stardom, turn the podcast off at 40 minutes. 
Um, and then you'll sort of leave with this blissful idea of us liking all these matches. We had a great time. Oh, Kelly really loved my Julia. Just turn it off at 40 minutes and pretend, you know, whatever. We didn't have any opinions on anything else. Yeah, no, not a bit. Anyway. But yes, you know, yeah, I don't I don't want to repeat myself. But I say, I think a lot of people think I sit here and I decide, you know, or that we have decided we're like, ah, oh, we'll target stardom and we'll really stick it to them. No, they are the biggest promotion. They have come out and said, as I've said on this podcast before, they've come out and said, we're a big deal. We're running these big shows and you got to back it up. And in some areas, they are not backing it up. They have an incredibly talented roster that can go out and have great matches. That's one area they're very strong in. But they have a lot of areas of weakness, one of which is the booking. They desperately need a real booker. Like, Rossi can't do it anymore. He's just doing the same shit over and over and over. And it he's an old man. Like, that's, that's, just, that's just how it is. Dude's falling asleep at press conferences. Like, there is in one of the... One of the pre-match videos on the pay-per-view, there was a bit where I can't remember what match it was, where the two wrestlers were at like a press conference talking and in between them is Rossi and he is clearly asleep, just zonked out while they're having like this intense promo back and forth. And it's like, I, dude, you need to delegate. You need a booker. (laughs) Anyway, what else has been going on in the last two weeks? Well... Oz Academy had a show on February 6th. The big match on that show, a tag title match, Hiroya Matsumoto and Rina Yamashita, the champions, retaining their tag titles over May Suruga and Momika Hanazono. Tokyo jo- good. Yeah, Tokyo Joshi had two shows. The show on January 29th had the Max Hart Tag Tournament semifinals where Miyu Watanabe and Rika Tatsumi defeated Moka Miyamoto and Yuki Arai, and the Bakaretsu sisters defeating the team of Asuka and Yuki Kamafuku to set the finals. Uh, I watched that show. Uh, I thought the two Max Hart matches were solid. I still think the best match of the tournament so far has been that Asuka uh, and Yuki Kamafuku against 1 to 1 million match from the oh, for sure. quarterfinals. Is that what it quarter? Finals? I think so. Anyway, whatever the last show was. Um, yeah. I thought these two matches were pretty disappointing, to be honest. Like, I went two and three quarters and uh, three stars on them, respectively. But, like, I I don't know. I expected better. I thought the Miku, or Miu and Rika versus Arai and Moko was... It felt like an opener more than a semi-main. And so, I don't know. I just think the structure was off. And I, the, the the main event was whatever. The Bakaretsu sisters don't do much for me, and I was disappointed to see them win. Yeah, I thought the matches were fine. As I said, I thought that the previous... I mean, I think sort of the previous show as a whole was a little bit stronger, but we will see. Uh, we will talk about the Bakaretsu sisters against Miyu and Rika in one moment. And the Tokyo Joshi had a show on February 5th, the main event... The soon-to-be-departing Marika Kobashi in the main event in a singles match facing off against Miyu Yamashita. She did not emerge victorious, losing to Miyu in uh, just over 10 minutes. Uh, Ice Ribbon, as we mentioned, had some COVID 
stuff happened. So they only had a show on February 5th. Uh, they had some people test positive. They canceled some shows. They had some wrestlers missing um, as well. Uh, Wave had a show on February 2nd celebrating Yuki Miyazaki's birthday. The main event saw prominence. Uh, the, the prominence team of Akane Fujita, Mochi Miyagi, and Risa Sara taking on Hibiscus Mi, Sakura Hirota, and the birthday woman herself, Yuki Miyazaki. And in Pure J title news, on February 6th, Akari retained her Princess of Pro Wrestling title over Momotani. So that is everything that has been happening over the last two weeks. And coming up, Stardom has four shows. Um, or I should say Stardom has three shows and a fan convention. They have a Stardom fan convention on February 11th in Osaka. And the following day, they have a show on February 12th there. And then a show on the 13th in Kyoto and a show on the 20th in Chiba. Uh, Nothing announced for any of those shows yet. Those leading up to the next big show on February 23rd, which we will preview on the next episode of this podcast. Seedling has a show on February 11th, their first show of 2022 after their their show on January 28th was canceled. The card is as followed. Rico Kaiju will take on Tsukasa Fujimoto in the opener, which will happen on a new ring mat. Uh, Rico requesting to wrestle in the opener so that she could be the first person to wrestle on the new ring mat. Uh, so that will be the opener. A high That's pretty speed cool. Four- I like that. Yeah. A high-speed four-way match between Hanako Nakamori, Akari, Ayame Sasamura, and Miyuki Takase. Ryu Mizunami will take on Riko Kawahata in a singles semi-main. And then the main event, the reformed OG uh, version of the Selfish Strawberries. Arisa Nakajima, Asuka, and Makoto will take on Yoshiko. Hiroyo Matsumoto, and Itsuki Aoki. So a pretty fun card there. Uh, Oz Academy will have another show on February 13th, uh, which will be highlighted by a eight-woman tag. And what it will be is it will be an elimination tag between the teams of Akino, Hiroyo Matsumoto, Kaori Yoniyama, and Itsuki Aoki taking on the, the Ozaki-gun team of Maya Yukihi, Mayumi Ozaki, Yumi Oka, and Sayori Ano. The way it works, it will be elimination until the final two wrestlers are left in the match, at which point it will become a last woman standing match, and the winner of the match will be the next challenger for Maya Yukihi's Oz title. Uh, Maya Maya already announcing that if one of the members of Ozaki Goon wins, there will be no title match. Uh, so that will be interesting. Sounds like an interesting uh, match format, as we always expect from Oz Academy. But we'll be interesting. Yeah, to that see. sounds like uh, an Oz match that'll be like an hour long. And if you like Oz matches, you'll love it. And if you don't, don't even bother to try watching it. I can imagine it will largely be chaos. Yep. Police will be very involved. <laughs> Tokyo Joshi has their next Korokin Hall show coming up on February 11th. 
Uh, Positive Chain is the name of the show. Uh, Before we run down the card here, I will say that recently uh, Moka Miyamoto, now Kakuda, Yuki Kamafuku, all testing positive for COVID. Maki Ito was deemed a close contact, but did test negative. Um, So as we run down this card, note that it is subject to change. But as of the moment we are recording this, this is the card uh, that will be presented. Hopefully, knock on wood, those three people all can uh, test negative, get healthy before the show, and can all appear. The opener will be Mocha Miyamoto against Ariso Endo. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this match? Mocha getting a singles match. Uh, Are you looking forward to this? Yeah, no, this should be good. Uh, I assume Endo will win, but it could be up in the air because we saw uh, Mocha beat her in the tag uh, tournament. Like, I, I like that. It's just it's a it's a young lion match essentially. <laughs> yeah, and it should. Uh, uh, it will be interesting to see which version of Mocha we get. Sometimes she comes yeah. out, and I'm very impressed. And sometimes she comes out, and I, uh, it's it's like an up and down where I. Sort of my expectations are low and she exceeds my expectations and then my expectations get higher and she's below them and my expectations go back down again. Um, but we what will if see she's a twin and one of them's bad. <laughs> I have a feeling if they were twins, Tokyo Joshi would be pushing them very hard. But what if even Tokyo Joshi doesn't know? Like they're just run they're just running twin magic and no one even knows. Well, that would be one way to say, oh, I tested negative by, yep, sending, exactly. by sending your twin. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe. Um, but I hope that if that's the case, that the other twin reveals themselves so that we could have, you know, that Tokyo Joshi would do a lot of fun stuff with a pair of twins. Twin oh, they would love it. Um, the next match is Hyper Masao, Naokakuda, and Mahiro Kiryu against Asuka. Haruna Neko and Kaya Torba Bami, a big, uh, a, a big mix. You know, looking at some of the names, you would expect them sort of on the lower opening uh, side of things. But Hyper Masao, Asuka, both appearing as well. So this could um, maybe be a, a little bit better than the usual uh, Tokyo Joshi opener. Yeah, yeah, it's an int- two interesting teams. The third match on the card, a, another singles match, Suzume going up against Yuki Arai. I'm really looking forward to this match. I think it could be really good. Yeah, that should be cool. I, I'm excited for that one. Uh, Yuki getting better. Suzume obviously always improving, so that should be a lot of fun. And at Corican Hall, for the first time in a while, we will see the returning Saki-sama and Mei San Michel taking yeah. on the fun team of Raku and Palm Harajuku. This should be, this should be a fun match. Glad to see Neo Bishiki Goon back in Tokyo Joshi. Once again, back from France. Yep. I mean, sometimes you just need to take a winter holiday, you know, and then come back refreshed. Enjoy the, the French countryside, uh, you know, heal your wounds from losing the tag titles and then return even better than before. Do you think uh, May went and hung out with the wolves that raised her for like the for like Christmas? 
I think I think that she did. Why? Good. Why not? Yeah, I, I hope the wolves celebrate Christmas and got her some good gifts, and now she's ready. The next match is a six-woman tag: Miyu Mashita, Hikari Noah, and Marika Kobashi going up against Shoko Nakajima, Yuka Sakazaki, and Mizuki. Um, this is that match, as we talked about before. I'm like, wow, this match is going to be amazing, but it is in below the semi-main event. So I'm hoping that this will be really good. A lot of really good talent. So, um, and maybe possibly, um, do we think Shoko pins Miyu here to build to their Mm. big uh, upcoming title match? I think Kobashi takes the fall, but I do think Shoko gets the, the pinfall over her. And it's, Yeah. It's definitely a I'm staring at Miu as I'm getting the pin kind of thing. All right. Well, we will see uh, if Shoko picks up the win and who it's over. The semi-main of this show is our one title match on the show. The international princess title. The champion Maki Ito defending against former champion Yuki Kamafuku. Uh, I'm another match. Sound like a broken record. I'm really looking forward to. Um, good to see Yuki getting another shot at this title that she really, she was really the first champion of this title that brought it into the new sort of era of the international princess title. So happy to see her back. And I think that this match could be really good. Yeah. I really, uh, enjoyed seeing the clip making the rounds of their, uh, press conference where Maki said she was going to piss on her. That was good. Yeah, Maki is always good for a um, <laughs> memorable, memorable quote. Yep. It it was also funny because the thing that Yuki was saying, where she was like, "You're the cutest in the world. I'm the coolest in the world." Like, yeah. I was like, "That's a fairly tame sort of thing." Like, "Oh, you're cute. Oh, I'm cool." Yeah. <laughs> to have piss someone on be you, like, "Piece of shit." I'll piss on you. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, well, uh, all right." <laughs> So that should be good. And then the main event, the finals of the second Max Hart tag title tournament between Rika Tatsumi and Miyu Watanabe going up against the Bakaretsu sisters, Nadoka Tenma and Yuki A. Ayono. Uh, Kelly, what's your prediction? Who emerges from the Max Hart tournament victorious? It's got to be Tatsumi and Watanabe. Like I, I think this is the the last stand of the Bakaretsu sisters before uh, Tenma uh, graduates from Tokyo Joshi. I, I mean, I would assume that's what it is, unless they go on to have the tag title shot, and that's the last stand of the Bakaretsu sisters. But I don't know. I I feel like Rika and Miyu are gonna win here. All right, well, I'll go on the other side of you and I'll say the Bakaretsu sisters are going to win to make it interesting. So next episode, one of us will be right and one of us will be wrong. Um, (laughs) And of course, the last time I said, oh, wouldn't it be fun if the finals were Asuka and Yuki Kamafuku against Rika and Miyu? And then I said, but that's not what they're going to do. They're going to put the Bakaretsu sisters in here. I said that last episode. So I'm finally figuring it out. I'm getting better. (laughs) I'm getting better at this. So I hope, hopefully that means that I'm going to nail this, the Bakaretsu sisters. I just think if they're going to be there, you know, you're retiring Nadoka Tenma, one of the big uh, 
sort of pillars of early Tokyo Joshi. She's leaving, so put her in a big, you know, final match of this big, big Tokyo Joshi show. Yeah. Uh, Tokyo Joshi also has a show on February 19th, but nothing announced for that yet. Will probably depend largely on the outcome of this Corican Hall show. And as I said, the card is subject to change, so keep your eyes peeled. Who knows what happens? Um, who even knows what would happen if Yuki uh, can't go, if they would have someone else challenge or what they would do, but we will see. Uh, Sendai Girls has two shows coming up on the 19th and 20th of February. The 19th has two fun singles matches, Mika Iwata going up against Hiroyo Matsumoto and Miyuki Takase going against Dash Chizako. And on the 20th, there will be a tag title match between Chihiro Hashimoto and Yu, the champions, going up against former champions Mika Iwata and Manami. Uh, Ice Ribbon has two shows on February 12th and February 19th. And Wave has their show on the 13th, Valentine Wave, with two title matches, the tag titles, the champions Saki and Akari Shimizu, defending against Yumi Oka and Sakura Hirota. And the Regina de Wave title, the champion Nagisa Nozaki will be defending against Miyuki Takase. That should be a stellar match. But that is everything coming up in the next two weeks of Joshi. Kelly, anything we missed? Anything you want to say before we bid the people farewell? I don't know. I think I got everything out. Um, I don't know. Go see the new Jackass movie. It's a good time. That's that's it. That's all I got. Are you getting paid by the jackass people? No, I wish. Oh, me too. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I went to go see it with my mom yesterday. It was a good time. Well, there you go. A uh, plug by Kelly for uh, the jackass movie. But that is all for us. We will see you in two weeks for the 51st episode of Jumping Bomb Audio. Thank you once again for joining us for the first 50 episodes and we will see you next time. Farewell. Goodbye.